This is the Ed Milet Show. All right, welcome back to Max Out with Ed Milet, and I am really excited about today. And before we get going, I want to remind you all, we do this for free, and so all I ask from you is that you rank and review the podcast there on iTunes. Do me that favor, please. My guest today, I was thinking about it coming over here today, I think he's the most, I think he's the Dos Equis man of personal development. <laughs> I like that. I do. He's the most interesting man in personal development. And he's, uh, I did this survey with you all, and I asked you who were the guests that you wanted on my program, and Lewis's name kept consistently coming up. So I've got him here for you today. Lewis, thank you for being here, brother. I appreciate it. So good to have you here. So Lewis, as many of you know, has a School of Greatness podcast, which is a top 100 podcast in the world. He's written a couple different best-selling books, including the School of Greatness. But the one I want to talk about today, if we can, is The Mask of Masculinity. It was uh, such a great read, brother. It's um, never read anything like it before. Thank you. Yeah, it was so good. So I want to know how a guy like you ends up writing a book like this. So can you tell me a little bit about you? My audience may not know all of this. So tell me a little bit how you grew up, where you come from, how you end up being in the position to write such a great book. Small town Ohio is where I grew up. So Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, great people, great communities, but I think limiting mindset in a lot of ways. We grew up pretty poor. uh, And it wasn't until, when I say poor, I mean in terms of like, like lower middle class, right? Where I was having hand-me-downs. Like I didn't get the new Nintendo or anything like that. I was getting hand-me-downs until I was about 12, 13. My dad's company kind of started to take off where we started to have more opportunities. Okay. So I never really got nice trips or nice nice things. It was always Mm. pretty simple living. Mm. And it didn't really matter. I was pretty happy with just like having friends and attention and playing sports. Yeah. So it never really affected me because I didn't need nice things. But when his business started to take off, I started to see him think and talk differently about money Mm. and abundance. And so I started to open my mind to making money when I was about 13, 14. You're already thinking about it. I was thinking about it just because he started to bring abundance in his life and his energy started to shift. Whereas before that, it was he was always frustrated, always stressed, mm. and kind of like seemed resentful because he had to work so hard and he wasn't living his dreams. Mm. And so I noticed that early on, and I always wanted to leave Ohio. As much as I love Ohio mm. and I'm prideful of it, I knew I didn't want to be around limiting people that weren't chasing for bigger things. Yeah. yeah. And so I left when I was 13 to go to a private boarding school. What? Yeah. I've never heard that. Okay. I begged my family, my parents, to send me away. You begged your family to send Begging. you to a it boarding t- school. T- That's t- usually not how it works. It's the opposite, usually. Yeah. But my whole siblings were, I have, I'm the youngest of four, and my siblings had left to college. My brother was in prison during this time and just got out. And I kind of felt like it was just me left in the house. It was my parents and me, and I was just like, I don't really want to be here. Wow. Yeah. Where did you go? I went to St. Louis, Missouri, to a private school called Principia High School. It's a small school of about 300 kids, and I was in a a boy's dorm. No kidding. I was in a boy's dorm in eighth grade all the way through my senior year. Is that right? Yeah. So you didn't even live in your home full time growing up? I would go home for like the summers, for Christmas break, things like that. But uh, St. Louis, I lived there for about six and a half years. Well, did that that impact you how? I mean, It changed my life because I started to do a lot of negative things in Ohio for you know my childhood. I started stealing all the time. Every time I went into a store, I had to steal something. It became a game. 
Wow. It became an obsession. It's hard to picture you. I know. Mr. Integrity, I, Mr. Exactly. Yeah. I started to steal. I started to like smoke cigarettes for like a couple months period. Wow. Uh, but I wouldn't even inhale it. I would just like steal them and like <laughs> no. smoke it just to try to act cool or whatever to impress other kids. I didn't have any friends growing up. So I did things to impress people. Mm. I put on a, a fake identity yeah. to try to fit in. I relate to that. And um, I bet a lot of men and women yes. relate to that. And once I got into middle school, I started putting on the, the athlete mask where I was like, I need some friends. I'm starting to get some attention as an athlete. Yeah. Let me go all in so that people love me. Whoa. And so I started to become the best athlete I could be, to mm. be the most valuable person on mm. every sports team so that they always needed me. And you played all the sports? Every sport. Yeah. I mean, I was. What like, are you, 6'3? Six, 6'4? Three, six, six, yeah, you're a big dude. And. Um, yeah, it was just like constantly driven to be to be better. That's funny. I read your whole background. I did not know that you went yeah. to a boarding school when you were yeah. thirteen. Because you're, you're interesting. Everybody has defining moments, mm -hmm. right, in their life, and these moments define us based on the meaning we take from them. Right. Is my theory anyway, right? But you've had some real defining moments. Yeah. So yeah. let's go, go to back to one, the athlete mask first. And we're going to talk about this. That really the premise of the book that I love are these different masks mm -hmm. that men wear to conceal who they really are. Sure. Or to hide behind those masks. And I just want to tell you as a brother, and you know, I've had decent success in my life too, but it was um, illuminating and enlightening for me, the different masks that I wear, even mm -hmm. to this day still. I throw those masks on. Mm -hmm. even we to all this do. Day. Yeah, yeah, we you all still do. do even. Absolutely. I think right. it's uh, our ability to be aware of what we're wearing. That makes sense. The yeah. ability to say, okay, you know, for example, when I left playing professional football, arena football, I was broke on my sister's couch for about a year and a half trying to figure out how do I make money? How do I start a business? How do I get a job? How do I do any of these things? Because mm. I was just training my whole life. My dad, even though he started talking about money more, he said, just train full time, go chase your dream. Because mm. I think he never did. So he wanted to fully support and make sure that I did. Wow. He was like, you can come back and work with me in my business when you're if done. If it didn't work, you had a Didn't work, you got the backup plan. Okay. So I never worked. Okay. Like I did like, lawn mowing a little bit and like some little odd end jobs here and there but I never like nine to five all summer long wow it was just like no your job is to train no kidding so I would go to specific facilities and train all day so why didn't you go to work for him when football didn't work out because the year um, I left to go play professional football he got in a tragic car accident where he was in a coma for three months and then he's still alive today but He's never been the same person. He's emotionally not all there. He can't really have the same conversations. He's unable to work. Like, he's just mentally unable to work. And so it's like my dad is still alive, but it's almost like I lost him that day. Oh, I'm sorry. So it's okay. I mean, it was, it was a challenging few years to say, you know, when I needed a mentor the most, mm. I, I didn't have him when I had him my whole life. Yeah. So I had to seek out other mentors to teach me certain mm. things. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I think it's also another dividing moment is like, I don't know if your father is around or your parents are around, yeah. but I think essentially losing my dad mm -hmm. when I was 23, where he wasn't able to be there emotional, mental, spiritual, mm -hmm. financial support, any of those things. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like I had to grow up in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I had to, and I think if he would have still been around, I don't think I'd be this hungry. And I think it was probably one of the greatest blessings mm -hmm. Although I wish it didn't happen, and sure. I wish he was healthier and was able to communicate in other yeah. ways, it was also 
made me so hungry and, and just thirsty to like learn how to build something on my own. It's interesting because every time I meet somebody who's the after, and I know you don't see yourself as the after, like you're successful yet because mm-hmm. you're chasing something, but it's always interesting to me that meaning people take away from events that otherwise yeah. <clears throat> most people would consider to be tragic, right? And it really, I, I've yeah. always believed this, and I say this a lot, and you're, you embody this. It's not the events of our life that define us. It's the meaning we attach to them and then the action we take as a result, right? And you, one of the things I just admire about you so much, and I think why your your following is so big, is because of what you're doing right now. You're mm. real. You're, yeah. you're transparent with who you are, at least to the best that we sure, can be, sure. right? And I admire that in you. Nice. I try to do that too. I think both of us have a certain following in social media because I think people think they really know who we are. Yeah. We're not wearing a mask necessarily on social media all the time, right? right? right. But you've had several events like this. Yeah. So let's go back to one. We'll go back to a couple if you don't mind. Sure. I thought it was just interesting before we get to a heavy one, a lighter one, but a defining one for you because you talk about that athlete mask. That's <clears throat> one of the masks that Lewis talks about in the book is men you know, with their masculinity, wearing the masks of different mm-hmm. types of people, whether it's the material mask or the athlete mask or the stoic mask. And mm-hmm. it's such a fascinating read. It is for men, but to be candid with you, I think it's a fascinating read for women it's to understand part, their men. Yeah, exactly. So many women are telling me that they finally understand their husband, yeah. why their father never showed them the affection, why their sons don't look them in the eyes. So yeah. it's like trying to understand men a little bit better. It's too. brilliant, man. And, <laughs> and so there's this story in there that stuck out to me. And I could picture you as a little guy when this mm-hmm. happened, but you talk about... And it's interesting. It, it could be a non-event for some people, but it was for this dodgeball game. It's defining, man. It was because you Fine. end up being. Remember, this guy ends up going on to become a college and professional athlete, right? Mm. And if you draw back all the way where that mask started, it started yes. in a damn dodgeball game. Yes, didn't it? In, ele- in elementary school. Um, you know, I was still trying to find my way and just have a couple friends, just try to fit in. Mm. And uh, one day, the teacher of our class, there's probably 30 kids in the class, about 50 men, uh, 50% men and, and boys, uh, boys and girls, uh, they say, okay, during recess, we're going to play a team dodgeball game and we're going to split it up into two teams. So everybody's had that game at school, right? Right, yeah. Right. Everyone's played dodgeball right. or something, right? right? And he said, okay, I'm, I'm picking you two boys as the captains. Mm-hmm. Pick one at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was his intention to do this. He was just like, yeah, you guys split up the teams. Okay. So we're all waiting to be like called out, right? Yeah. And these two popular kids, one at a time, start picking each boy. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm one of the taller kids. I feel like I'm pretty athletic already. They've got to pick me. I'm one of the first people. (laughs) So I'm standing up there in front, like waiting to be called. And they pick all the boys one by one until it's me and the last boy. And this boy, like, he was not athletic at all. Essentially, I'll keep it at that. And they pick him. And so now I'm the last boy to be picked. However, as you know in the story, um, they pick a girl next. And then and then they pick another girl, another girl, until it's me and the last girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be like, this, they're going to pick this girl before me. This girl is like zero athletic ability, right? She <laughs> right. can't even walk. Right. And they pick her. And then I'm not even picked. I'm just by default. Yeah, no. You know, just go on the next team. Mm. They didn't even pick me as like, What's oh, going what's on here? Are you raging? Are you I sad? am raging. You're raging. I'm already a kid that feels neglected, that feels mm. like the youngest who doesn't get any attention. Yeah. You know, I didn't have any friends. So at this point, I said, 
I'm going to destroy everyone on this team. Mm. Like, give me the ball. I'm yeah. just like slamming it in people's faces. You're already a big like, dude. Yeah. Yep. And I'm just like destroying people. Mm. And I go, never again will I be picked last. You can see mm. it in me night right I now. I can I'm see like, it in your physiology. Never again will Look I ever it. get picked yeah. last mm. in anything. Mm. Right? And that's what I told myself. And I just become a training machine. Every day after school, I would go to the playground, go to the gym, go play basketball, mm. and train until my mom would have to call me in at like 9 o'clock and say, you got to come home. And you think that game has something to do with you end up being a professional athlete? I think it I think it was one of the triggers of just like always feeling like I was abused, left yeah. behind, not good enough. Your it was face, just one of those triggers. Your yeah. face changed even when you just said yeah. that. It's you know, it's just like it's one of those moments that I can remember. Yeah. You know, it's many moments like that. Yeah. But that was a moment where I was like, okay, it, I just never want to feel this again. Yeah, it literally defined mm -hmm. part of your whole identity. Absolutely. Right? It was one of these masks. You're like, I wear this one well. And so, so I put, yeah, right. so I put the athlete mask on and I said, never again am I going to lose. Mm -hmm. And I also needed to be right. You know, mm -hmm. for me, like being wrong was losing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I need to win at all costs. I need to be right at all costs. And anytime I lost in a game, I was the worst loser because my self worth and my value was tied to winning mm -hmm. or losing. And even when I won, sometimes I wouldn't be happy because I would beat myself up about how I could have been better. Amazing. So I couldn't appreciate the journey. Yeah. We just always got to get better, got to get to the goal, got to get to the goal. Yeah. Everybody that's listening, including me, frankly, a lot of us relate to that. Yeah. And we're going to talk about some solutions that too. Or those of you that are watching this, you certainly know someone like us. Sure, right? sure. And, and it's uh, it's interesting because you have that event. You have a brother who goes to prison. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, but you go to a boarding school when you were 13. Mm -hmm. You had a... It's amazing that you end up becoming one of the most sought-after people on the planet to improve people's lives, and right. yet you have these events that you didn't allow eventually to define who you were. There's a significant one, though, mm -hmm. as you know. Yep. I think it's the genesis of the book, mm -hmm. probably. Yeah. But if you don't mind taking them through this, you had uh, some sexual abuse happen to yeah. you, and you were a very young boy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, very young. So yeah. you had the 13, you have the brother go to prison, you have the dodgeball yeah. game. But the, the biggie... Yeah, and, when I was five... Yeah, it was. Here's the thing. When I was five, I was raped by a man that I didn't know, and it, and for 25 years, no one knew about it. Is it I want to ask you this because I've not heard you answer this. Are you telling me literally you didn't tell anybody? I didn't tell anyone. Not your. I told a social, uh, a professor, my freshman year in college. I said, you know, something happened to me, mm. but I didn't tell him what. Wow. So mom and dad definitely did. Parents didn't know. Friends didn't know. Silly. I never told anyone exactly what happened. Um, I was too afraid to let people know. And so for 25 years, I'm 34 now, when I was 30, I went through a bunch of different challenges in my life with an intimate relationship I was in, a business partnership I was in, and just everything looked good on the outside. You know, people were like, man, you're crushing it, Lewis. Yeah. But I was suffering on the inside and I didn't know why. And I don't know if you've ever felt that when your business took off, you're like, why am I not fulfilled? I, I absolutely do, yes. You felt that before? Of course. And for me, I was taking all of this, I was just angry, constantly angry. I was doing great in my business, but angry because I couldn't figure out how to cope and understand my emotions. Mm. So I took all this frustration out on the basketball court. Every day I would go play basketball a few blocks away. Mm. And every day, it was like I was looking for a fight. You know in college when you're like, yeah. you're just like, I hope someone looks yeah, at me. Yeah, look at like, me wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna slap you. Run into yeah. me the wrong way, right. like I'm gonna beat you up. You yeah. know, I was just I was looking for a fight. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that was the only way I knew how to express myself was through physical aggression. So many people are relating to this right now. That was my life. Football was my ability to just destroy people in a legal way without getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. I could get it out every single day. So when you don't have that anymore, it's like, I need to go play basketball and like rough it out. Because I didn't know how to cope with my emotions or what I was going through. I just didn't have the skills or the tools. So every day I would go out and play basketball and I just constantly, someone would yap at me and it was like I had to step to them like I was the alpha dog and like shove them and scream at them and just show them that they weren't going to mess with me. It's until amazing, back just to tell you, because being in your presence and being around I'm not you, that way. Yeah, and, and our mutual friends, no one would describe exactly, you this way now. Exactly, Right. And, you know, I'm typically, I was typically not that way either. Like I'm always a very loving, like happy person. But there's a trigger thing. It's a trigger. Like if yeah. you cross the trigger, yeah. it was like you were gonna go down, yeah. or I was gonna go down, or something. Yeah. And so every day it was like waiting for someone to hit me, and they wouldn't hit me. Mm. I would like push at them, I would scream back at them, I'd be like, "Don't talk shit to me, don't do yeah. this, don't like whatever." Yeah. To a no stakes pickup basketball game in West Hollywood, it's not like yeah, right. anything's Nothing on the line. line. Yeah, right. it's like. And one day after a few months of this. I'm guarding a guy who's much bigger than me, older than me. And we're getting in a heated battle back and forth. He's fouling me hard, I'm fouling him hard, like, Mm. but it's kind of like this, this is what you do in the street ball, right? You're kind of fouling each other hard, but it's it's all good, it's fair game. He's calling it, I'm calling it. It gets down to the last point, game point for both of us, both teams. He gets a ball down, getting ready to shoot a layup. I I foul him hard. You know, I grab his arm down so he can't score, because the game would be over. I guess it was enough was enough for him. And he came at me and headbutts me. Now this was the trigger that put me over the top and said Incredible Hulk is coming out. Snap City. Snap City. (laughs) It was like, I can't even remember because I just put him in a headlock and just started UFC pounding him, throwing him to the ground on top of him, just like unleashing all this anger. It had to come out somewhere. Yeah. And this was the moment it exploded. Hmm. Because I didn't know how to let it come out any other way. Now afterwards, I remember I was shaking so much because he got up and there was blood gushing out everywhere all over the court. The police station is right across the street. It snaps back into me like, I have everything to lose here. I could go to jail, like what if something happens? What if I actually hurt him really bad? Whatever, like what if my whole life could be over from one moment? Hmm. I know what happened to my brother going to prison from one drug uh, deal that he was involved in. One thing he got caught, which put him into prison, Mm. sentenced six to 25 years. He got out in four and a half in good behavior. So all of a sudden I'm like, how stupid can I be to allow my emotions to get the best of me to react? Mm -hmm. Um, After that point, my friends were like, you know, you need some help, man. Really? Like, you need some help. You know, it wasn't that bad, but they were like, why are you doing this? That shouldn't happen, right? Why are you allowing this to happen? Did you know why then? Do you think you knew? I think I was just like angry at everything. Mm. Like, No matter how successful you are, you're still, there's this angry piece of you. Because I would achieve all these things that I wanted, but then I was like angry right when I'd achieve them. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't fulfill me. Yes. Yes. So I was like, I need to get bigger. I need to make more. I need to like get more goals. I need to do this. Like maybe then I'll feel good. Mm -hmm. And none of it made me feel good. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you felt that way. Like I need to get 10 million, then a hundred million, then then I need to sell my company. Yes. And then I'm going to feel great. And maybe it felt great. Maybe not. But if it does, it's temporary. And you're exactly right. Everybody watching this that's had any level of achievement that thinks once I get something else or I get to this place then I'll be happy then I'll be happy then I'll be happy and it does I don't know anybody and you and I also both know a 
lots of very wealthy people who are completely unhappy. Yes. They're like Tony Robbins talks about all the time, success without fulfillment is complete failure, right? And yeah. so I relate to that level of failure. So do a lot of people. And those of you that are chasing your dream, you've got to find a way, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, mm-hmm. to, in, to enjoy you now, celebrate Absolutely. you now. Yeah. Because when you get to these different places, guess who arrives there? You. And if you're there with the same damage, with these same masks on, the amount of money you have just sometimes, frankly, magnifies the pain that you're in, I think, because yeah. you, can, you can act out different ways. So, right. yeah. so go ahead. So you, you have this event. So my friends start so, saying, and I kind of come to an awareness of like, I remember running back from those courts, like up into my room up here, like looking in the mirror, shaking because I've got like blood all over me. And I'm like, wow. what am I doing? The last fight I was in was when I was like 15 or something. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Look at myself in the mirror, literally like, why? Why are you doing this? Who are you? Okay. And who do you want to become? I was just asking myself this over and over. And I started to say, okay, I need to take a deeper look at why I'm so resentful, why I'm so angry, why I'm so frustrated, and why I'm triggered. Why am I triggered when someone steps to me mm-hmm. or says something to me mm-hmm. or leaves a negative review online? Or yeah. why do I always have to defend myself? Mm-hmm. So I started calling some some therapist friends of mine that I knew, some spiritual coaches that I knew. I started going to workshops, um, and I went to this one emotional intelligence workshop that, similar to like what Tony does, okay. where I had us address kind of our past, okay. past with our parents, past with girlfriends, past with friends, like mm-hmm. childhood, and just kind of addressing it all. Okay, we recreated and reenacted situations mm-hmm. to face ourselves in those moments mm-hmm. and, and and recognize why we become that way. And after I was in this five day workshop and after the third day, we had done a lot, you know, addressing our past. I'd cleared with my parents internally. I'd cleared with like relationships. And the facilitator of this workshop, there are about 50 people in it. He said, okay, we're moving forward to focus on our vision for our future. The things you want to create, the person you want to become. We've addressed everything in the past. But if there's anything you haven't addressed yet, now's the time to talk about it. Otherwise, we're moving forward. Like, get on the ship. And so I'm going through in my mind at this moment. Like, it's a pause in the room. And I'm going through, I'm like... My parents getting divorced, yeah, like pretty much everyone has done that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I went through that. Feeling bullied and picked on, I talked about this. Feeling like insecure in school, my brother in prison. Like I talked about all these things and I was like, what about the time I was raped by a man? It just kind of came in my mind. Mm-hmm. And this was always in the back of my mind. You know, every week I would think about that moment. It would come up, like just kind of randomly pop in and out of my head. Mm-hmm. And I would just push it to the side. And I, I remember thinking to myself, if I don't say this now, I'll probably never say it to anyone. Like, the setting was perfect. I had gone through enough challenges and breakdowns in my life where I was like, I'm willing to figure out whatever it is, I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. And so I just stood up, walked to the front of the room. I didn't even ask for permission or anything. I just stood up, walked to the front of the room. And I remember, Ed, that I couldn't look anyone in the eyes. Mm-hmm. So I was staring down the entire time at the ground. And I walked through for the first time, just looking down. You know, when I was five years old, I was at the babysitter's. And the babysitter had a son who's a teenager. And I just walked through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't look up because I was so embarrassed and so ashamed of people knowing this about me. Mm-hmm. And when I was complete, I said it pretty calmly. You know, I just kind of said it very calmly. And when I went to walk down, it's like almost the moment I sat down, is like I erupted of tears that I've never had in my life. And I just couldn't stop crying. I was just like crying over and over again. 
thankfully there were two women on either side of me that were holding me. They were crying, I was crying. I was embarrassed and ashamed of what I just said, of people knowing this about me, because I wasn't perfect looking anymore. Mm -hmm. I wasn't this like all American yeah. guy who had it figured out anymore. Mm. And I remember running out of the room, outside it was in a hotel conference room, I ran outside because I just needed some fresh air. I had my head up against a wall outside and uh, one of the most beautiful things that ever happened to me happened next. One by one, the men who were in the room came up to me outside and just gave me a big hug, looked me in my eyes and told me that I was their hero. One by one, they said different things like that. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing, the thing that I'm af I was afraid of people knowing about me the most was actually the thing that when I shared it, people yeah. connected with me even more and trusted me more. Mm -hmm. And people kept saying that, They're like, wow, I thought like something completely different about you, but now I trust you. Now I'll follow you anywhere. Like they said these things to me and I was like, what? That makes no sense. Wow. You know, everything that I was afraid of, that I was yeah. taught not to be a little bitch, a little yeah. girl, a little pussy, a little yeah. fag, whatever the yeah. words were that made you wrong, yeah. that made you different, mm. that pushed people away from you. Mm. I was taught to like fit in by like being manly, having it figured it out, you know, yeah. winning, like talking bad to people, whatever it may be. Mm. And none of those things served my heart. Mm. And it started to awaken everything in me. Like when I finally opened up about that, I just said, you know what, I'm gonna open up about everything. How? Because the freedom it gave me to realize, wow, you still accept me mm. for who I am or the things I've been through and you still, you still like me. You actually like me more. You trust me more. I was like, what? Wow. This concept mm. of like being real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not that I wasn't real. Yeah. But I think I was always like had a little bit of layer of a mask hiding behind. We, uh, you, we all do, and yeah. which is amazing. Sorry, I'm getting a little choked. But of all the, I mean, I read all these personal development books. I yeah. listen to all these guys. It's the most compelling story I've read. I'm just gonna tell oh, you. I it's, appreciate it, man. No, it is, brother, yeah. because the courage. I think it takes courage when you're five, but yeah. to carry it and carry it and carry it and carry it and then release it like this massive. It yeah. takes a gigantuan amount of courage, Thank right? Thank you. It does, yeah, brother. Yeah. And I think for those the people that are listening to this, because this is corny to say, but like often in our life, our greatest test is actually our defining testimony of our life. Like that was the greatest test of your life, and it's really the testimony of your life. Mm -hmm. Like everything you're becoming right. was yeah. unleashed because you finally took your mask off that yes. was the big mask you were huge for right? me this thing was the secret i was carrying around my whole life that i didn't want any, and want anyone to know and here's the crazy thing you know the people in that workshop were like you should tell your family and i was like mm. there's no way I'm so even after that i was still scared to let anyone i was like this is a safer container you know it's like confidential yeah. like no yeah. one's going to hear about this yeah but i was willing to explore and see how, what i needed to let go of to see what i could create in my life Eventually, I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna tell my family one by one, mm -hmm. and it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. But again, when I told them, they opened up to things about me that I didn't know, and we mm -hmm. built a stronger relationship as a family. Mm -hmm. Then they were like, you should tell your friends. I was like, no way, my family has to love me, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But my friends, they're yeah. probably not gonna accept me yeah. anymore. But I started doing it one by one. What was that like? Was it? Was it, it would was, you go into them like? Ugh. I think I went back to like, like just being terrified as a kid. Like, what if they don't accept me? Same you know? thing. Yeah. Same thing. It was like the fear of what if people don't accept me. 
but one by one, people accepted me even more. Mm. And they trusted me even more. And they were there for me more and had compassion. You know, humanity is a powerful thing when you show vulnerability. I, I truly believe that other people who have a deep hearts like are gonna open up so even do more. I. You know, there may be some people who are gonna be so guarded they can't receive it, but yep. usually most people have a great heart. You're right. And my friends started saying, you gotta share this publicly. And I was like, no fucking way. Well, now you're, you're right, right. Yeah, right. They're like, you should tell this on your podcast. I was like, no, it's gonna hurt my business. Like, right. what? people are really gonna think weird about me. Yeah. So, but after six months of me just saying, you know what, I need to continue to talk about this because it mm. still has power over me. Because when I talk about it, yeah. I quiver, I, I yeah. palpitate my heart, like it still owns me. And I don't want this thing to own me anymore, I want to own it. <clears throat> and so, so I finally had enough courage to just kind of tell all the close people in my life, my friends yeah. and family, and it wasn't a hard thing anymore to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still a, a moment that I wish no one to go through, of course. but it doesn't take over my body and so I said you know what I need to do this publicly because I felt like I'd never seen another white straight male jock looking guy open up about this yeah I've never seen it maybe it's happened but nor I just I. nor have I I can't think of like yep. some personality or yep. athlete or yep. business leader who has opened up about it and one in six men have been sexually abused in some way one in six and yet it's not acceptable to talk about it hmm whether it be uh, you know to friends and family or publicly or whatever it's just I'm not, I'm not saying everyone should publicly talk about it sure but I felt like for me I love what you said about it still owning you it, it did it was owning you not yeah yeah and um, I was just like I felt a, a, a duty a responsibility to continue to talk about it mm. because um, and here's the thing that happened when I put it on my podcast I, I talked about it on my podcast and did a whole episode about it four years ago I shared it out and at night, I posted it out at night, like 11 o'clock, I was right here in this room. I posted it out and I went out and sat on that uh, patio right there. Mm. And I sent out one tweet and I just said, I'm gonna leave it up to the universe to see what happens. I didn't promote it anywhere, I just put one tweet out and I was like, I'm gonna go to bed and see, hopefully no one watches this, you know? I was like, hoping that no one <laughs> right. saw it. You want them to, but you don't. And the crazy thing is I went outside and it was like, it was 11 o'clock at night, but it felt like it was daytime. It was the largest moon in the last 100 years that happened that night. It was a super moon. And it was like, I didn't know this was happening at that time. I just decided I needed to post it then. And it kind of gives me chills thinking about it. And I was looking up the definition of like, what's a super moon mean? And it's like, a super moon like shifts the world. And, like, and I was like, this is crazy, right? And um, over the next couple of weeks, I was getting hundreds of emails from men sending essays telling me, I've been married for 35 years, my wife doesn't know. This really? is what happened to me. I've been in this relationship for this long, I've never told anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, this had this happened to me for years when I was a kid. This, you know, the craziest stories I've ever heard made mine look like a Disney movie mm -hmm. compared to some of the stuff yeah. that men were emailing me. Yeah. But it's like I gave these men who listened yeah. permission for the first time to yeah. talk about it. Because if a big jock looking guy like me. Yeah, right. Good looking, big jock, athlete, successful. If, if I talk about it, then yeah. maybe someone else can talk about it. Wow. And the healing that started to happen from within of these men, where they finally started to talk to their partner about it, where they finally started to address it, where they finally started to not be so stoic or so driven by sexual mask or the material mask to make themselves feel better, mm. they started to communicate in healthier forms mm. and, and just show a little bit of emotion, show a little bit of vulnerability. Mm and heal from within. Mm. And 
they got healthier physically, their businesses grew, yeah. their relationships thrived because yeah. they were able to communicate. Yeah. And I think as men, we've been conditioned not to share certain things, mm -hmm. to be tough, to be these things, to not be weak, to not be soft, yeah. to not show emotion, to not show affection. Mm -hmm. You know, as a kid, I was always like pushed away from my friends when I would be like, it's so good to see you. Yeah, know. You know, I would like put an arm around a guy. Yeah. Not in a sexual way, just like buddy, buddy. Yeah. And they'd be like, get off me. What are you, gay? Yes. It's interesting. I was going to tell you something because I'm that way too. I have touchy feeling. Yeah, yeah. Especially, it's funny, especially with, it's like when I see my buddies, I touch yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Know? I want to say something about what you said there because it was just, I think we all want people to like us, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that when we wear these masks, I think the more honest we are about who we truly are, the more people actually love us. Yeah. The real us, you know, and I think what I love, what I want the men listening to this, know this is a real man. A real man is vulnerable. A real man is honest. A real man's transparent. And not all of us have big muscles and are big guys like that, but I'm attracted to people, and I think everybody is, who are their, their, their authentic selves, yeah, yeah. right? And you have this big, big story, and I love what you said about more men came to you, and I just yeah. want to acknowledge it, man. Like, I think it's made a huge difference in the world. Thank you. Appreciate and it. I think those of you that are watching this, I, I, I always advocate for somebody on my program, but I think there's a, I know when I'm with a genuine mm good person Thanks, who cares and like I think if, if, if Lewis is this honest about this imagine the kind of transparency honestly you get if you were reading his books if you were yeah. if you were a part of his podcast become a part of his community because I think when you're like this I think you get this out of your guests I think you get it out of the people Absolutely. that you interview too and I love I love the story but I also love the book because you talk about triggers right yes and one thing about these triggers is we all have these triggers yours was to go to anger but for many of you out there that trigger goes to depression or sadness or fear Addiction, or anxiety or Whatever, addiction yeah. right we have these pornography whatever you these, know these, anything these different money triggers. money let's yeah. talk about that for a second because yeah. it's where I was going so sure. men wear these different masks women wear them too Absolutely. right you actually talk about re reading a book that a woman had written about yep. masks as yep. well but we're phrasing it in men we're men here so but this is awesome for women mm -hmm. to hear as well but so what would you say to a guy who's always worn this material mask or this athlete mm -hmm. mask he's afraid as hell to take that thing off here's right? the thing you know, once I got done playing sports and I was broke and my dad was injured and he wasn't able to provide financially anymore or yeah. give me that support, yeah. I became obsessed with saying, I need to make a lot of money now mm. because I need friends. I, I want people to like me. I want to be like seen and acknowledged. Yeah. And I focused on, I'm going to figure out how to be a millionaire. I had no clue how to make money. Okay. I was broke on my sister's couch for a year and a half mm. recovering from this injury. Okay. And I just started studying it, finding mentors, and just taking massive action. Okay. Found something that worked, which is teaching people about LinkedIn, and I said, okay, how can I scale this and make more money, and then continue to grow from there. Mm. And here's the thing. I put on the material mask, and it worked. I made yeah. a lot of money. Yep. I got a lot of results. Yes. And I also gained 50 pounds. Didn't have any relationships mm. that were intimate. It was all about money, money, money. I wasn't sleeping. Okay. And I think there's times where we're going to be working extra and we're going to be out of balance. Of course. To grow anything. Sure. But my self-worth soon and quickly became tied to my net worth. Mm. And so if I wasn't making more money every month, my value went down. Yes. My inner world. I relate to that. Yeah. And... If I was losing money, like same thing, it was like now I was like stressed out. I was like, yes. I gotta make more because mm -hmm. are people gonna think I'm good enough for right. this? Right. So for me, I'm all about making as much money as I can. 
Right. That's what's interesting because I, I love money. You. I didn't know when I'd meet you. I thought, well, this guy is still competitive. He still wants to be successful. Still. So talk yes. about that for a second because I read it. I'll be honest with yes. you. I wear some of these masks. Yeah, we right? all do. Yeah, it's and all good. I think there's a fear for people. They go, if I take off this material mask mm-hmm. or I take off this, you know, uh, athlete mask, let's just say, I'm going to lose my mojo. I'm going to yeah. lose my drive, my ambition. So mm-hmm. is there other parts of you that are unveiled, that are unleashed when you take these masks off or because you yes. know that's what people are thinking like yeah. men read this they go i do wear that mask i yeah, do, yeah, do that but if i take the sucker off man i'm like is my business going to crumble is this yes, going to happen yeah, yeah exactly i get it what's your experience Might lose that, that drive here's the thing one i went through this experience four years ago uh where i opened up and, and talked about these things i really realized that i was living from a place of win lose and right and wrong okay where everything i needed to win at all costs that meant everyone else needed to lose. And I needed to be right in every situation, which meant everyone else needed to be wrong. And that was kind of my whole life. Even though I wasn't tr- thinking I was doing that, Yeah, that was for me saying I'm valuable enough in the world to have friends and be accepted and to fit in. So when I finally started to let go of all this stuff, I realized, no, no longer am I going to come from a place of me winning and everyone else losing around me. Mm. It has to be a win-win in everything. Mm. Everything must be a win-win. And so I've come from a place, my first 30 years of my life, I was driven, my fuel was anger, resentment, improving myself. Beat people too, defeat them, right? Defeat them, be the best. I had to be the best at everything. Yes. If I wasn't, it was like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to be number one. Mm. In the last four years, it's shifted from how can I lift everyone else up around me? I love that. How can I win and everyone else win at the same time? I love that. And so my fuel, I feel like it's so much, for the first time, I was able to sleep at night without taking three hours to go to bed. My whole life, it would take at least one hour for me to just sit there until I fell asleep. Mm. Now I can go to bed in 10 minutes. Mm. And I never was able to do that before. I didn't know why I couldn't sleep. Yeah. I think I was always this negative fuel to like uh, prove myself. Yep. Now I'm just like, if I fail, I know it's a part of the process of succeeding. And yeah. I'm going to lift others up in the process. It's interesting because I want to say something about that because... The way you just said that's beautiful. Thanks. And I found this for myself too. Maybe you've discovered this. I was the same way. I needed to win. I needed to win. I needed to win. And it was always empty. It was always, maybe for a day, maybe for an hour. It's nice. And then it's empty. It was empty. I thought, well, if I take this mask off, so what do I really want? And what I'm most like turned on by, I guess, in life is I want to, I've never gotten tired of serving others. That's why I'm doing this, right? Yeah. I've never got tired of serving others and lifting other people. It fills me up. It's almost like on Christmas when you're a kid, you love getting gifts, but somehow when you get older, it's more beautiful to watch people open theirs, you know? And the other piece of it too is that I think you're this way too. Rather than just win, I'm more interested in finding out the best version of me, that next me, that I grew this beard out and my daughter goes, Daddy, are you going through a midlife crisis? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, Yes, I am. And I went through a young life crisis and I'm probably going to go through a 50 year I'm constantly in a crisis to become the better me, get to know me better. Yeah. Because what you are, let me, I want you to know when you're watching success, because I think the people that I know that are fulfilled are the most self-aware. Mm-hmm. They're not, these masks also conceal us from ourselves, yeah. not just from other people. What I got out of reading was, yeah, you wear this mask and it conceals you from other people, but it hides you from you. Like you had buried this 
incident and that masks you were not only hid you from other people, it hid you from you, right? And absolutely. I, do you feel that way at least? Absolutely. You've gotten to know yourself better? Do you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, I think the awareness, and here's the thing, I still wear, I've worn all the masks throughout my entire life at different yeah. stages. I think yeah. we're trying to prove ourselves or fit in and do things at different stages. Yeah. Um, and there's still times where maybe three of the masks I'll wear more often today. They're your go-to masks. They're my go-to. Like, yeah. you know, I'm triggered and I want to defend myself. Like, yeah. it's been my go-to my whole life. But I'm so much more aware of it and quick to say, you know what? Okay, I'm just upset. I'm frustrated. Let me mm. step back. Let me apologize for reacting. Yeah. Let me take ownership for what I just said or what I just did or trying to, like, flip that person off who was driving in front of me, whatever. Like, right. Because when we react in a negative way, it doesn't support a positive vision for our life and it doesn't give us inner peace. Mm. We might think it gives us peace mm. to like be revengeful or respond in that way. Mm. So everything I focus on now is does this serve the purpose I have for my life? Mm. This reaction to someone critiquing me, yeah. me getting back at them, is that going to serve my vision? Okay. Putting my energy on that. And is putting energy on that thing going to give me inner peace? Wow. If the answer is no, then don't do it. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve the world. Wow. Okay, hard question for yes. you on that line. This is the, my number one question in here because I get asked this all the time. You do too. By the way, there's all kinds of mentoring, coaching you can get from this guy. You go to his Instagram page. Can, is there a website that you go to? So they go to Instagram yeah. to find Instagram, you. LewisHouse.com. Yeah, okay. whatever. Because I, I think there's, listen, the thing I get asked the most, because you just said purpose. Uh, maybe you get asked this a lot too. You say, I don't know what mine is, mm -hmm. right? Like one of the greatest things in life is kind to actually uncover what you love, yeah. what you want to do. So for people out there that are watching this, they say, all right, Lewis, I need to take these masks off so I get that. I'm a little afraid to do it because now I'm vulnerable, right? But assuming I got the confidence that I have the courage to do it, how do I find my purpose? Is there anything you could mm. tell me that would help me uncover what my purpose is? Is yeah. that a tough question or what? But for I, me, it I comes, driving over here, I wanted to ask you that. For me, it comes down to what brings you the most joy. Because I believe joy is infectious. Mm. And when we bring the joy, we inspire other people to lighten up, to have fun, to dance, to play, to be adventurous. Mm. When we do things that don't bring us joy, I don't think that's your purpose. Mm. So it's figuring out what are the things that bring you the most joy. And sometimes you might make a lot of money doing something that can bring joy in other ways, but it's not the thing you love doing, but it, that still serves a purpose for bringing joy somewhere else. Like you may be in a business that you don't fully love, but it funds the thing that you do love. Mm. That's okay as well. I'm not saying anything's right or wrong here, yeah. but I love the quote from Jim Carrey where he said something like, you know, his father failed at the thing he hated. Yeah. So he's like, if you can fail at the thing you hate, you might as well go after the thing you love and fail at that. Yeah, it's, he said it's 10 times worse to fail at something you hate than not to fail at something you love. Exactly. Did you just see that? I just saw that same quote. Yeah. I, went, I played it back, it was it's, so good. It's amazing, so it's like for me, what's the thing that brings you the most joy? You know, as you know, and Tony talks about this all the time, like it could all be over in a moment. Yeah. And for me, the regret of not doing the things I love is my biggest fear. It's like, I don't want to be 90 or 100 or however old I am and be like, oh, you know, I was just scared my whole life. I didn't do the things that brought me the most joy. I did the conservative things. Mm. So I think if you're a creative, do something that's creative for you. If you're an idea person, keep coming up with ideas. If you like to build a business, do that. I mean, yeah. If you want to play all day, then play all day, but you got to figure out a way to just sustain yourself financially in that process. Yeah. And now more than ever, as you know, 
You can do pretty much anything and make money around it. Yes. Anything. Yeah. Monetizing things isn't that difficult in the world today. It's not that hard yeah. today. Yeah. Like there's always a way to teach someone how to do what you're doing, to like create a community around it, whatever. Yeah. From every type of industry, you can do something and make money around it. So for me, it's, you know, and you may have to pay your dues for a while doing certain things and you're going to have to master things. But I think just leaning into curiosity and joy. What's the thing that brings the most curiosity? Ooh. Do that. Yeah. And then bring it with passion. I love that. That is a great answer because what it does is it, and I know we're running out of time, yeah. but it's, I've watched this with you. So it is true. All these other doors open when you start to chase what you're curious of, See. right? So like, I bet you the things you're doing, and it's true for me too. I didn't know I'd be sitting here talking to you two yeah. years ago. I'm just chasing my joy and passion, which is to serve people. It's it great. opens up these other doors. So yesterday you're telling me at the time of this, you end up with the common, right? You with a couple of these other hip hop guys yeah. and you find yourself, it's interesting, your brother was in a prison. Mm-hmm. You These other places, and it's the journey of life is so joyful when you are chasing your purpose, yeah. right? And the road's kind of crazy great. So you found yourself <laughs> in a prison yesterday, yes. right? So just talk about not only that experience, but like, yeah. is it also true for you that as you've opened up this kind of this journey of I'm going to do what serves me, what makes me happy in my life that all these other doors have opened up for it's, you, right? You know, it's funny because I had Scooter Braun on a couple of times. He's become a good friend of mine. For those who don't, don't know who he is, he's the one who found Justin Bieber. He manages Kanye West, Ariana Grande, things like that. He said something the other day to me. He goes, you know, when I was a kid, eight, nine, ten years old, I think he like was at some sports game, something like this, I'm butchering the story, where he's like, I was at some game and one of the all-star athletes that I was a big fan of like came up and like gave me a high five. Mm. And it was like the highlight of my year, this Mm. moment where I got to meet like my hero Mm. for a moment. It was like, I told everyone about that. I was bragging about it for months, right? And he goes, I live that way almost every hour of the day now, where I'm having conversations with presidents, with the biggest celebrities in the world, with movie producers, exec, like tech founders, billionaires. He's like, that you know, moment when I was a kid is a moment all the time. That's awesome. And um, I can't even remember where I was going. What's, what's well, you were yesterday oh, yeah. where you're in these places, this prison yesterday. Yeah, so for me, like leaning into my curiosity and doing the thing that I love has yeah. opened up like a life for that, where I get to interview people every day yeah. that are like that for me. I'm like, this right. is crazy. Right. And doing a message that I think is meaningful, I got invited to go to this prison trip with like all these influencers. And when I go there, it brings me back to like, you know what, one move we make could put us in there. Yeah. One mistake where we're triggered, where we don't have the tools. Mm. All these men essentially were wearing masks mm. for the reason why they went in there. Mm. They, you know, some were murderers, some did other things, some were just at the scene that didn't pull the trigger, mm. but they got a life sentence. Yeah. Because they were there because of the laws. Wrong association. Yeah. And they've been in there for 20, 30 years. And they own it. They were sharing their stories about, you know, I was here, I own this, I did this, you know, they were owning it. But I'm like, what if they had the tools to be more loving, to be more compassionate, to not be so guarded, having to defend themselves, have to be right in every situation? They wouldn't be there. Mm. And what if, you know, on the basketball court, no one stopped me and I just kept going? Yeah. I could be there too. Wow. Doesn't mean that they're bad people mm-hmm. and, and one thing defines like yeah. their humanity. Yeah. They just made a bad mistake mm. and they're mm. living a life sentence for it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's okay. Right. I'm saying like okay, the time is justified. Yeah. But I'm saying that 
they're, they have good hearts as well. Some of these guys, obviously some don't. But I remember being there and one of the guys had my book and it was like the craziest experience because he said, this is everything we face in prison, these masks that we merit wear in prison mm. in prison is a whole nother culture of trying to like one up each other and mm-hmm. like the gangs that are creating in prison is a whole nother culture and he was like this is what we face and what I'm teaching one of the guys was a teacher at the prison mm. there's college classes he's got a master's degree he got in prison and mm. he's teaching men's studies about vulnerability masters while he was in prison yes he's been there for 23 years yeah crazy so yeah, things just continue to unlock. Yeah, when I you think follow that, your purpose. It's interesting because when you told me you went there and like the difference was like, I know three years ago you didn't picture yourself with Common and a no, bunch of guys yeah. in a prison, and now what you've learned and what you've shared opens up these doors, right? That's it. it was interesting because I was thinking these masks. Why I want people to read the book? These masks mm-hmm. are a form of prison. That's it, man. It's almost a prison that you live in, you know. And I want—I wish we had more time. I hate that this is over because I know all of you are getting such giant value from this. I want to tell you something, man. Yeah. I like you. I love you, Thanks, brother. Bye. You're a good man. But more than that, you're—you're you're making a difference in the world. Thanks, like man. you are making a difference in the world. Like this makes a difference in people's lives. I just want you to know that the work you're doing. It's important, profound work, man. I can't wait for the next book and the next thing you're going to do. Appreciate it. But thank you for doing this Thanks. We'll have to do more. We'll have to get you on my show. We'll have to hang out on the lake. I would love that. The Copper House. He has great friends that live literally across the the bay from me. Like, literally, we're waving at each other. So I would love that, brother. Thank you so much for today, man. man. Really enjoyed it. Okay, everybody. Listen, do me one favor. If you enjoyed this today... All I want you to do is rank and review and like the podcast on iTunes. Follow Lewis on Instagram. Get all of his content and information. Go get this amazing book as well. Max out your life, everybody. God bless you. You think you got what it takes to win? Then get coached by Ed Milet at edmilet.com.